This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. It's lekker om hier te wees. So uh, I heard some guys here say, it's so nice to speak Afrikaans in church. I'm like, come to my church. There the, the people say, when they talk English, I was my tana stomp gepraat. <laughs> now my teeth are stomp. But anyway, it's a, it's a real privilege to be here. And uh, Andre, Sonica, I want to honor you. You guys really do amazing work here. And you guys are amazing. So I really feel um, coming home. There's, uh, there's just such an atmosphere of, of hospitality. Somebody with the gift of hospitality. I experienced that yesterday. Hallelujah. Um, but there's just an amazing, you know, welcoming feeling as we come together. And uh, you guys are a praying church, and that blesses my heart. That's why Jesus feels welcome here, because my house shall be known as a house of prayer. So I want to honor you guys. Go on, do what you're doing. You're doing wonderful work, all of you, not just them. Okay, so I just want to pray for us, and then I'm going to share the word with you too this morning. Father, thank you that we can come and just bring the word before you. Father, I pray, Lord, that through your spirit, Lord God, you will minister to every person, Lord God, what is necessary to hear for them this morning, God. Everything that is of myself, Lord God, let it fall away, but let your word through your spirit remain and bear fruit and much fruit, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is my family. That's my wife, Danelle. Um, we went to America a month back, so we were at Google, but uh, that was a Google selfie where I could find so that I can show you what my wife looks like. So that's her, and uh, these are our three boys. <laughs> oh, like a, So that's Maynard on the left. He's our eldest. He's turning nine in six days. And then Alvin, the middle one, the blonde one, he's seven. And the front one is Luca. He is four. Our life is busy. <laughs> but it's great. They are amazing. So uh, I bless you with a lot of busyness. This morning I want to share a word with you that, uh, that the Lord has uh, laid in my heart. You know, it's kind of like who I am. Not only what God has said, I must come and preach to you guys. But I'm going to preach from the, the, the prophet Haggai this morning. Yeah, it's in the Old Testament. So for most of you, you don't read that, especially the minor prophets. You know, the small ones, it's only got two chapters. So uh, you can go read it, the whole thing today, if you want. But when we speak about um, prophets and things, I just want to give you a little bit of background, only a little bit. Um, you know, in, in when these people, you know, Haggai, he was contemporary to Zechariah and, you know, all of those. They were, they were kind of living in the same time, prophesying at the same time. And, and Ezra, he also recorded some of their things. So I'm just loosely going over all of those, those background things. But in this time... This was when King Cyrus, he overthrew the Babylonians. And King Cyrus, he said to Israel, listen, go back and build the temple. So that is, that is the, the context of, of where he's coming from. And now Haggai, he's prophesying in that time. Now the reason he's prophesying to them is because they went back to build the temple. Anybody want to guess? How long it took them to start building the temple? 
since going back to build the temple. No, I don't read the Old Testament. No, don't worry. 18 years. So they went back to build the temple. And then for 18 years, Azikolo. So that's where Haggai comes in. So Haggai prophesies into this. And there's four messages that he brings um, in the book. The first and the third one are a little bit the same, so I'll just give them for context, and we're going to speak, a context, we're going to speak regarding this second message, mostly, this morning. So, okay, so for those of you that does not think like a theologian, welcome back. But we need to understand context when we speak about the, God, the Word of the Lord. So, the first message and I'll read to you there. The first message, okay, one and three is the same, so you can go and read three if you want. Um, but the first one there in, in Haggai 1 verse 4, it says, he prophesies and he says, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? Well, this house lies in ruin. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your full. You clothe yourselves, but you are not warm. But no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. All right, so this is the first message. He's, he's speaking into that place of 18 years of nothing. But it wasn't nothing. What were they doing? Okay, say it to yourself. What were they doing? They were building their own paneled houses. So I think if the prophet Haggai was here, he would have messages like this for the church in South Africa. Ooh, it's, it's nice to come and preach somewhere else. No, I'm not going to see you guys again maybe next year. So I can say things like this. But it's true. You know how much, much effort it takes for us to build God's house? And I'm in there. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching for us. As a pastor over almost 10 years of ministry, and it's so great to be here, to see it. Thanks, Sandra. And... Uh, See, Kuba and, uh, and Dion, they were part of uh, my first zone in South Africa, in, in Stellenbosch. <laughs> Hallelujah. Back in the day. Anastasia from uh, Tigerberg. I was there also for a while. But anyway, sorry. Digressing. So, Haggai should, he would have prophesied these things. But God is stirring something. And that, I'm really excited about. So, Going on from there, in Haggai 1 verse 8, now God starts to speak and He says, Go up to the hills and bring wood and build this house, that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. So, God speaks after rebuking. He says, listen, go up. Go and get some wood. Come and, come and build this temple of mine. 
Now, to come back to, to context, for us, first of all, this is like a long time ago, man. We are now in 2018. Get with the program. I am with the program. What happened was, those people that didn't build, that it, it, it wasn't about the church. It's not about these four walls and the four walls at the back. That is not the church. The Old Testament, the temple was built for one purpose. What was that purpose? The glory of God. The presence and the glory of God. That is what the temple was for. So, when God says, listen, go and come and build, it's not about making something stand that you can see with your physical eyes. Because God wants to fill that place with His glory. So He's starting to speak to them and say, listen, leave your stuff. Because you will always be frustrated. When you, when you build into, it's nice. It's nice to have nice things. The world is easier when you have money. The world is easier when you live in a house. But you can go into, into Africa and to the poorest of the poor, like the words came in intercession. God wants us to open our eyes again to the poorest of the poor. You know what you find when you go there? The first time that, on that first trip that we went, well, maybe they say, I, I went to Malawi three times. When I went there, you know what? I thought I was going to bring something. I'm going to preach to them. My white South African haughtiness. When I went there, God broke me. Because I, I saw firsthand how poor I actually am. Jesus says, blessed are the poor. For they will see God. So, when you start to see the poorest of the poor, you know what? They've got nothing. But they do have one thing. They've got a capacity to trust God. They've got a capacity to receive from Him. That blows our minds. So I love what you guys are doing. Go out there. Go and experience that thing. It's not mine. But say hi anyway. Go and experience that. Because we need to build this house. And not the four walls. For the glory of God. So... Let's speak about church for a while. You know, like, like Andre standing here and, 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 and speaking about membership, you know. In today's Western world, that is some of the stuff that you can do that really eeks people. How dare you? So, what is church? And I, a couple of, year, a couple of years back, Four, five, I don't know, six maybe. I went through a time of uh, soul searching. Because people were coming up to me and says, God is finished with his church. You know, like this, local church. We are part of the universal church of God. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anywhere. And now I'm, I'm the pastor of one of those local bodies. And people started to leave my, I offended them. And people started to leave our congregation. Wonderful people. Leaders. 
And now I'm like, Jesus. And it was, it was so bad that I started to question. I'm saying, Jesus, is this true? Are you done with your church? As I know it. So God goes in there. In that time, and I'm soul searching, and I'm repenting of a lot of things, and, and God is... So I'm reading Revelation. And now people are, yes, yes, I like that one. I'm reading Revelation. Okay, we, we say Revelation, but what is the full title of the book? The Revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what Revelation... So the Revelation is about Christ. That is what Revelation is. So I'm reading Revelation 1. The start of the book that John writes, his vision. You know what's the first thing that he sees? I'll read it to you. Revelation 1 verse 10 to 20. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice like a trumpet, saying, write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches. These were physical churches. To Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And then I turned to see the voice who was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed in a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. And the hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. We'll see Jesus like that one day. Hallelujah. And then we will fall on the ground as one dead. Whenever people say, I saw Jesus, then that is the first thing I check. Did you fall down as one dead? Anyway. When they say yes, and they say, okay, I'll listen to you. Because people have got all these eddy-fetty things that they go around, you know, I've seen this and this cloud and all that. Whenever I read scripture, whoever sees God in his glory falls down as one dead. So this is Christ being revealed. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Okay? But he, but he laid his right hand on me and said, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I live, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things which you have seen, those that are those... Um, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. You don't need to be a pastor to figure that out. The first revelation of Christ that John sees. Where is he? Come on, people. Amongst The seven lampstands. He's amongst the churches. He's walking amongst the lampstands. And you can go and read the rest. Then then he starts to write the letters to the churches. And what does he say? If you don't do this, I will come and I will remove your lampstand from you. So Christ is in his churches. Every local one. Everyone with his lampstand. Amen. Yes, the pastor saying amen, hallelujah. Yeah, but, but that's what Christ showed me. So I started to, to think, 
Lord, this is what the temple is about. Like Haggai said, your glory and not just universal. Yes, we are part of the universal church of God. But you know what? The local expression is where God moves. It's where God finds the, 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 the hands and the feet to do and to show his glory to the people that do not have it. So I'm praying in this place and I'm, I'm still struggling. And then I do Bible school three again. Never stop learning, people. So I do Bible school three again. And in this place, I find this scripture about church. And I'm not speaking about the walls. Okay? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says the following. This is what church is. If you don't know what church is. So I don't care if you are a group there or a group there. If this is your definition of church, hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 3.18. The first thing, I'll break it up into, the first thing about being church is a we all. Say we all. We all. So there needs to be a we all when we do church. Whatever that we all is. You cannot do church on your own. And I speak specifically because our Western society is individualistic per excellence. We do not want to be part of a we all. Okay, look in the mirror and say, I do not like to be amongst people. Everything is about me, myself, and I. So the first thing of church is we all. Okay, that's the first one, and that's tough already. The second one, with unveiled face. Hallelujah. You know what a veiled face looks like? You walk into that door, nobody really knows you. And you've got your mooi fuiki voor. Your beautiful feet from forward. You do the Facebook thing. You only let people see what you want them to see. That is why we need one another. Because you know what? As time goes by, that fuiki of yours comes back. And people start to see, Hey, Sandra. He's no nice in Suene. But I see these couple of cracks in your life, which does not resonate with Scripture. Can we talk about that? And many times you find people standing in front here. You know what? I think God is leading me to another church. You know, first I, t- I try to speak to people. Now when they come and say, listen, go. Go make another spin. And when you're done making your spin, come back and grow up. You need to grow up spiritually. You need to grow up emotionally. You need to grow up physically. How do you do that? We all, with unveiled face, you know, taking the masks off so that we can see one another. The good and the bad. You guys do good really well. Seeing stuff in people, pulling it out of them. Hallelujah. I don't know how you do bad. Seeing stuff that's not so good. You know, some of the, the most memorable things that I've got in my life is when friends of mine, C.S. and a lot of other people, they, through the love of God, rebuked me. And I was offended with them. I wanted to leave church. I wanted to go to England. 
Because I don't have time for these hypocrites. And then God starts to minister to me. I'll just, he gives me one scripture. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says there, The man who isolates himself is devoid of all understanding. He seeks only after his own desire and he rages against all sound judgment. So I'm like, okay, Jesus, I will stay in this place. And it was still tough. I went through nine months of hell to grow up, to start to see, hey, it's not them, it's moi. And I had to repent. And come back with unveiled face, second one. But then we don't look at one another. We are beholding the glory of the Lord. So your focus is not on the one next to you when you do church. They are there, but you behold the glory of God. And in that place we grow together. And then the wonderful thing that happens while we do it like that. Then we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord of His Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in that place. Where we are together, where we are open to one another, through the Spirit, but we are beholding Christ, the perfect example. Not some imperfect Andre that you are trying to emulate. But you can follow Him as He follows Christ. Beholding God, beholding Christ, that is how we change. So that is church in a nutshell. Now we get to... The latter part of Haggai 2, verse 18, it says, God says, consider, your, your, consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord was laid, consider, is there seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day, I will bless you. What was that day? This day that you start building the temple, I will bless you. The day that you decide, God, I'm going to build your temple, your kingdom, where I'm planted. You know, you will receive blessings that you cannot get elsewhere. Spiritual stuff, like I have growing up, because you are part of a family. God's community is amazing. So let's speak about the main part. Hey, guy. Chapter 2, verse 3 to 9. This is now his second message. Okay, so that is like the context of uh, where they have been. But now he speaks his second message in, in Haggai 2. It says, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? And then a question, How do you see it now? Is it as nothing in your eyes? Question, How do you view the church of God? Is it as nothing in your eyes? I know I'm preaching to the converted. You guys are church. But how do you view it? Is it as nothing? Because some of the guys saw the temple still in its former glory. It was amazing. But now coming back to rebuild it, it's like, ah, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not quite like it, Deval. 
And they, they saw it as something that was nothing. And God still speaks and he says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you peoples of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. You know, when, when we look at South Africa, when we look at our communities, I look at our community in Malmesbury and I get depressed of what I see. And what I experience that I can do, it feels, it's, God, it's so insignificant. It is so nothing less that I'm doing. It cannot change anything. And then God says, do not despair. Work. Do this stuff, for I'm with you. I am with you. According to my covenant that I made with you when you were out of Egypt, came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts. Yet, yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I think we're experiencing a little bit of shaking, especially in South Africa. The last while. Love it. God, shake us. It's good. It's not comfortable. And that's great. You know what? The Holy Spirit is called what? Our comforter. So if you're on your comfort zone, do you need a comforter? No. Your growth starts on the other side of your comfort zone, ladies and gentlemen. It's a tough place to be outside of our comfort zones. Because we like it when everything is nice and neat. That is why we have the comforter that is with us. And I'm sorry if I offend you with my loudness. There was some of the other things that came in in that time when people were leaving the church. You know, the, the stuff that came at me was, you too loud. So I, so I decided to change my method of Barande. And I preached, not like that. And God was not pleased with me. I found out later. And he had to bring me back again. Well, there's some stuff that you need to change. But be you. So I'm, I'm saying to you guys, be you. Don't be like Andre or be like me. Just be who God created you to be. That is where your power lies. That is where the Holy Spirit gets excited. The Holy Spirit got excited when Samson got mad. Okay, I'm not, okay, don't get mad, but anyway. <laughs> but be you. Be who God created you to be. And I will shake all the nations, verse 7, so that the treasures of the nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory. Which house? This house. In their eyes, which house was that one? The former one? The thing that they're looking at that looks like ruins. The thing that they're looking at that looks like nothing. God says, when you work, when my spirit is with you, when you do this stuff, guess what? I will fill this house. This paltry house. This house that you look at. And I will fill it with glory. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. And the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. So Haggai comes out and he says the word of the Lord. 
said, listen, look away from your comfort zone, your paneled houses and your stuff. Turn towards God's temple, the church, which is the New Testament equivalent of that. And start to build there. Start to build what God has given you to build. Now, back to the church. It's not the four walls. You come here to be edified. You come here to bless one another. You come here to to just worship with one another. And I know you guys do this, but I'm just saying it. But when you leave that door, you are entering your ministry. You are going out to where God has planted you. You are planted in a house here, but he has also planted you in a place elsewhere. Some of you work. Some of you are at home. Some of you are at school. Some of you in government. You know what? God has put you there. Not so that you can have a boxed life over there at my workplace and then a boxed life here when I'm doing church. You know what was one thing? We went to America and uh, to Ed Salvosa's um, conference, Daniel and I. And you know you can read a scripture over and over again and then just one day it knocks you in front of the head. And he just said one thing. He said, you know what? And this is, this, is, this is the reason that the Jews miss Jesus. Again, anyway, that's a sermon on its own. So, he comes and he says that the Jews were expecting somebody to come and to overthrow the Roman Empire with military might. Because you can deduce that from the scriptures. They were tired of the oppression. They were tired of the stuff. And they thought that somebody's going to come, stand up, get a whole army together, and wipe the Roman Empire. And then they will be free. And Jesus comes as a suffering servant, and he dies on a cross. That's not the one I'm waiting for. But here's the kicker. Jesus never overthrows structures that are already in place. He uses them. The Roman Empire did fall. They became a Christian society, not with military might, but with the love of God. So when you go out there, remember this. What are we? We are salt, we are light, and we are like leaven. God comes, He uses us, and through the structures that are already there, He brings us into a place. So if you're in the police force, you are there for a reason. To do what? To be salt light and to permeate that place with the leaven of God so that the kingdom of God can come in that place. That is how God will use us to, ex- to change this nation. You know, we, and we've got the same mindset as the Jews. Many of us. Especially us white folk. I don't know if the black folk has got the same. But we want this, this, this leader to arise and to, to be saved and to change everything. Exactly like the Jews did. If Cyril Ramaphosa can just get saved, properly saved, then we're going to change our nation. If Julius Malema can just get saved, he's going to change our nations. Nonsense! If the church of Christ can wake up and see what we are capable of, that will change our nation. Wherever we have been put, there God wants us to build his church. His church were never, it was never meant to be boxed. But we boxed them. We boxed the Holy Spirit 
in such a way that it doesn't even use us when we are at our workplace. Don't box the Holy Spirit because you've got five days or six days of working and one day of church. Okay, maybe some small group and praying somewhere. Most of your time, you are doing something. You know what? Your work is worship unto God. One thing that, you know, my wife and I, we've got a busy life. My wife is in corporate, massively, and I'm like massively into ministry, and we've got three great guys, boys. So our family work life is insane. But God started to show us one thing. He said, he said one life, the and Danel, it's one life. Don't box it. Don't say, okay, now I'm here, and now I'm here, and now I'm here, and one life. Let your whole life be worship unto God. At church, at your workplace, be the change that Christ wants you to be. So, let me skip. My time is almost done. So I want to ask you, where are you building? You guys standing in front here, thanks for being part of the church. Thanks for being planted. Now, where are you going to build? Get a place. Start to build somewhere. Your work is a given. But here in church, start to build here. And whatever you do, don't look at what you are doing as insignificant. You know what? One small step of obedience, I sound like Neil Armstrong, one small step of obedience can change the world. So don't look at what you are doing as insignificant. When the glory of God comes upon your obedience, you know what? It has got massive consequences. Sometimes you look back and say, God, you you used me to do that? In humility, doing what God is asking us to do as the church, we start to see. We start to see how God uses us to change wherever we are. So my wife and I, we, uh, in this time we were, and we, it was so great this morning at intercessions. Just many of my scriptures were, it was prayed by everybody there. Thanks guys. It's really great to come and to know that, Deval, this is the word that you must bring. My wife and I are driving from, uh, <laughs> Driving from Marmersbury to Franschhoek, and I go there to one of these Lani places where they have a, a meeting, and I drop my wife there, and I leave. Okay, I'll tell you about the scripture now. And then I come back to fetch her after their meeting, and then the guy at the gate calls and says, Madam, your driver is here. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, I serve you in whichever way I can. I'll be a driver for my wife. But driving back, we were speaking about this thing. And one of those scriptures again, that just came alive in this time for me. 1 John 5, 4, up there. And John 13, 35. But 1 John 5, 4 first says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Whatever. Whatever is born of God, overcomes this world. So if you do something, building the church, being the ecclesia out there in your, church, in your, in your 
um, workplace, God will use that because that thing that you do in faith, it will overcome the world because it is born of God. So know that whatever you do in this place of being the church, out there, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That's a given. John 13, 35. Another one. And this is what you guys have here, which is amazing to see. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You know, we can, we can quote scriptures like that. You know how you get to know somebody? You spend time with them. I've been spending time with a Domini and a pastor from Malmesbury, other churches, for about six years now. Every Monday, we get together and we talk and we pray for the town. That is what community is. It's not just shofar. It is further than that. The task at hand, people, is greater than some denomination. It is the church of God that needs to do it through all the local bodies. But what happened was, in that time when I spent time with Jan, that's his name, the Domini, I got to know him, and we had to sort out some issues, man, because I didn't like him, or he me, in the beginning. Because of some preconceived ideas of that church, and your people, and what, 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 what. what. And this is what, what community is. Community is not a, you know, blanket, oh, we are in unity. Showing people when we stand up stage, oh, this is my brother from another mother. But then going back home, you cannot stand that guy. You speak bad about them. You actually hate them in your heart. You know what that's called? Hypocrisy. And you cannot have unity if you've got hypocrisy like that in your heart. So we had to sort out some stuff, and we did. And you know what? The scripture came alive for me in the last while, because one instance, there was an Angus Bachan event in Malmesbury, and uh, all the people, like, it was like you, they were sitting on, on the, the pavilion, and I was walking in front, and then I see my friend Jan on the pavilion. And he sees me. Okay, it's not like that romantic, that we run to one another. No, no, it's not that. But we, were, we go and we greet one another, but it was a genuine greeting. Not staged for the people, because I love my brother. And when I read the scripture again, I thought back at that instance, and I think, that is what people, whenever, if, if somebody would see us from Malmesbury, Jan and I in that moment, greeting one another, they would know that we serve God, because of the love that we have for one another. From different denominations, really, in unity and praying for our town. Okay, so finishing tonight. Oh, this morning, sorry. I'll do it tonight again. Okay, so tonight I'm going to preach on baptism. I love that. So come for that if you want to. I want you to reflect just on Haggai and being church. How do you look at church? How do you look at what you are doing in that capacity of being the community of God. Maybe you think that your life is such a mess that God cannot use you. What Sandra said this morning is just the grace of God. Because in that time, my life was a pretty big mess. And God used me to influence her 
even through that. But we think we must be fixed before we can do something. Nonsense. You must just be willing and obedient. That's all the prerequisite that God has got for us. If you've got a willing heart and you're obedient, God uses you. So I want to come against lies here in some of our heads this morning. That you are insignificant. That you cannot do great stuff for God. That is nonsense. And on the same vein, I want to trust God. Some of you have been doing things in the past and Satan came in and lied to you. Through something that happened. Making you think that whatever you were doing was not good enough. Or it was just insignificant. And you left it. And I'm trusting God to resurrect those things this morning in some of your lives. Knowing that your obedience to God in that place of doing whatever He's called you to do, that has got power. The glory of God that will come on that will astound you. But you need to step back into that place saying, God, here I am. I'm a bit afraid, God. Because I've messed up. I think that I missed it. I think that I missed you. Some of you believe the lie that you've missed God and he's not coming back. You know what? God is the God of second chances. Just look at moi. I've had so many second chances, I can't even count them all. So will you. So that you can become the ecclesia. So that you can become the community of God. So that we can become the house of God that God intended us to be. And then lastly, and then I'll hand over to to Andre to do the altar call further. Maybe you are building on the wrong place. Maybe you're building your paneled house. And God is saying, okay, my boy, my girl, come here. Yes, that's nice. But I want you to come and build here. Build the house of God. Build this place where you and I can see mighty miracles happen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.